but I really believe that kindness is the new superpower for leaders. And in fact, it's not only the superpower, it's the new currency, one that we can trade for loyalty and commitment and high performance and trust. Hi, I'm Julie Hyde, and I'm passionate about inspiring leaders to step up and lead and be powerful role models for those around them. My guests are all doing just that, and I ask them to share how they are making it count and how they have created their success. I can't wait to share their amazing stories with you. Colleen Callender is the former Sports Girl CEO, founder of Mentor Me Women, and author of Leader by Design. Colleen is an award-winning CEO and has a wealth of knowledge and a proven track record in building brands, establishing winning cultures, and creating environments that allow people to shine. I really enjoyed my chat with Colleen and we chat about the foundations for great leadership, why kindness and compassion is the new currency for successful leadership as we move forward into our new world the importance of creating balance and boundaries to support your health. And Colleen also shares what she is hoping people will get out of reading her new book, Leader by Design. I really, really love this chat and I know you will too. So sit back and enjoy. Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Julie. It's great to be here and it's wonderful to see you again. Absolutely. And I'm so looking forward to our chat because I love your leadership thinking and your leadership practices. And I love how you build winning cultures and allow people to shine. So I want to tap into some of that today. Sure. So can we start at the very uh, beginning, or can you share a bit with us about your journey, about how did someone who left before finishing high school rise through the ranks in retail to become CEO of two iconic Australian fashion brands? Mm, it's a question I get asked a lot. So, um, look, I, I, through a lot of hard work, determination, commitment, all of those kind of things, but really if I sort of step back to step forward, I absolutely love to work from a very young age. I used to go to work with my father on the um, on the work side. I used to work in my parents' canteen. I worked in all of their businesses. So I just love to work. And when I finished my end of year 11, I got a summer job at the local Just Jeans store, which was Geelong for me at the time. And I thought I had hit the jackpot. I was in the fashion industry, you know, and it was just fabulous. And I loved turning up every day. I asked for every shift I could work. And I just loved every minute of it. I loved people and I loved serving and I loved product and I loved learning. And so I worked all summer. All of my friends were out having a great old time at the beach with boys and I just loved to work. And at the end of that summer, the area manager came down and asked to sit and chat with me. And of course, I was petrified, not knowing what she wanted to talk to me about. And she said to me, oh, you know, Cole, you've done such a great job and we think you've got potential and we'd love you to stay on with Just Jeans. And so what 16-year-old young girl wouldn't love to be told they had potential? Wow. So I skipped all the way home with this absolute adrenaline and excitement running through my body to tell my parents that I wasn't going to finish school. Uh, all their hopes and dreams that they had for me were going to be blown out the window and I was going to start in the fashion industry. And, you know, there was a bit of conversation about that and uh, 
and you know my parents hadn't had a great education and you know they'd worked really hard to give me and my brother and my sister one so I knew there was going to be some disappointment there but in true to form and they're the most amazing human beings and they still are today they said to me Cole be passionate work hard love what you do and never give up and you know they're the things and the words that have stuck with me through my entire life and, you know, so I moved through the ranks really quickly. I did what they said. I worked hard and, and I never gave up. And, you know, I, I wasn't a really loud person and there was a lot of people around me that were a lot louder. So I had to get recognised through my results. So I worked really hard and I was promoted to um, an area manager, one of the youngest area managers in the company, actually at 20 years of age. At 24, I was appointed to the state manager where I was overseeing 54 stores and three direct reports, and I continued to climb that ladder. And the thing with that, Julie, which I didn't know then but I now know looking back, is that um, my biggest asset was people, and I loved people. And so, you know, that was the way I kind of lived and started my leadership life. And then in 1999, I picked up the phone and when it, it rang and it was sports girl at the other end and wanted me to join their business and that's why I spent the past 20 years and 13 of those as CEO uh, across Suzanne and Sports Girl at different times. So yeah, it was, it's been quite a journey. Absolutely. And I love the story. I love that you achieved the highest possible rank in organizations and you hadn't finished school. I just love that story because as you said, you worked out from a really early age that people were your power and that's how you were going to be successful so um and that's obviously worked for you incredibly well incredibly yeah, I just well. love people I love people and I always have had and uh, and you know yeah that was I suppose you know my secret weapon was was people mm, yes absolutely people are the power in your business for sure so what do you think I suppose reflecting on I suppose the characteristics that you had as a CEO and now that things have changed so incredibly dramatically in you know thanks to COVID and what we went through last year and continuing into this year what do you think are now the characteristics that a CEO or you know a really good people leader needs Mm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there are so many attributes that make up a great leader. Mm. And, you know, they can be strong vision and they can be hard work and courage and, and being a great listener. But I really am really passionate about the foundations of great leadership. Mm. And for me, that's about self-awareness and values and purpose. And, you know, I liken that to building the foundations of our house. And, you know, if we don't build those solid, strong foundations, our house isn't going to be standing up for too long. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be cracks that will appear. You know, we're not going to weather those storms and those external elements. And us as humans and leaders are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those great leaders with strong values are going to be the ones that are going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I talk about values, it's not only important, you know, it's not only an important part of who we are, as leaders, it also shapes who we want to be and how the organisation behaves. And, you know, it's really important that everyone in the organisation knows your values and the organisational values because this really sets the tone and behaviour. And you'd be really surprised at how many don't have that. It's it's quite, quite alarming, actually. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is that, you know, that strong purpose is really, really important, whether you call it your mission or life journey or your why or whatever that might may be. 
that purpose, that reason that we get up every day, what puts a fire in our belly and why we're here. You know, I talk about when we really know our purpose as people and as brands and as leaders and as organisations, we move from what we do to why we do it and why does it matter. Mm -hmm. And that is a really big part of success, uh, you know, for, for leaders. You talked about or the part of the question, Julie, was, you know, what is it now given life's changed so much? And I, I'm really have this thing about those, there is this old style of leadership, which is all about status and power and dictatorship and, you know, people doing what you say because you're the leader or you're the boss. And I'm in a new era of leadership. And this is the one I keep talking about. And I know you, you keep talking about it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and one that I've been living in for a very long time, which is kindness and compassion and humility and collaboration. And I don't believe we have enough leaders leading in this new era of leadership and, you know, and leaders leading with kindness. And, you know, kindness I talk about a lot. Um, I talk about my book and, and, and podcasts and my mentoring and something I'm really super passionate about, but I really believe that kindness is the new superpower for leaders. And, in fact, it's not only the superpower, it's the new currency. It's a new form of currency and one that we can trade for loyalty and commitment and high performance and trust. And it really starts at the top. Folks, some, some really key attributes, I think, of great leadership. Yes, I love that in terms of the new superpower and the new currency. Mm-hmm. I could not be more with you on that. I have literally got off the phone with someone who was talking to me about they were having to leave their workplace because they were experiencing some real mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And it had been building and building and they've been telling the powers that be that they were really struggling but they just weren't being heard. Yes. And all they wanted was to be heard and to be understood and for someone to basically so show compassion and be kind to them, you know, in terms of what they're experiencing. Because we can't argue in terms of how someone's feeling, right? We need to show, demonstrate them that compassion and give them the space to be and then see how we can, if we can, gently move them forward. I couldn't agree more. And I think particularly in this time that we're in now and, you know, what's happened over the last 12 months, you know, kindness has to be at the centre of what we do. Mm-hmm. And those kind leaders that really care about their people um, and, and surround them with a place where they feel safe and empowered and inspired are the leaders that are going to rise to the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say this kindness isn't the first word that comes to mind when we think about leadership. And, in fact, some people go, really, is that a bit fluffy? Is that a bit, you know, what does that really mean? And You know, I always qualify when I talk about kindness. It doesn't mean that people are not accountable. It doesn't mean we have no rules. It doesn't mean people can fly under the radar. It doesn't mean that we can have underperformance. It's none of those things. Kindness is about setting clear expectations for people. It's about giving honest feedback and treating people like people and really making true human connections with your people. And that's what kind leadership is. And Kindness is courageous. Some people think about it as a weakness and I see it as a very courageous style of leadership that we should all be living in. Yeah, I totally agree. It's basically being respectful to those that you're Absolutely. you're leading, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, being honest 100%. with them. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. I love the story that you shared about your parents and how they really just believed in you and backed you to enable you to do whatever you wanted to do as long as you you know you're passionate you're working hard and that was really important to them and it's the same sort of philosophy for um leaders too it's to really believe in and to back 
your people. And that's so, that's kindness too. It is so, it, it, very, very true. And I, I talk about, you know, I very much liken parenting to leadership mm. or parenting to my CEO role. And I link them both very closely when I was in my CEO role because as parents, we support and we nurture and we encourage and we coach and we pick them up when they fall over and we set boundaries and we help them be great human beings. We instill values. So all of those attributes of a parent apply to being a great leader as well. So you're absolutely right in what you're saying. Mm, yes. Okay. So let's talk about being kind to ourselves, perhaps. <laughs> um, you were uh, the CEO of Suzanne and Sports Girl for 13 years, but before that, you were really, really close to giving it away. So can you share with us a little bit about that and what happened? Yeah, I was. It, it was actually in 2007 and I was the acting general manager of Sports Girl at the time and I had three young children. Uh, Macy was just two, uh, Trent was nine and Jake was 10. And Julie, I describe myself uh, in my book and I describe myself in general as this red Ferrari and one that had never refueled, had not gone in for service, hadn't pumped up the tyres, hadn't pulled into the pits. I just kept going and going and going and not just going, I kept getting faster and faster and faster and I knew no boundaries. I said yes to everything. It did not matter how full my plate was, I would still say yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted to be this perfect wife and mother and friend and sister and colleague and boss. And, you know, I put everyone else's needs before my own, something many women deal with today. You know, we are people pleasers. And, you know, for me, it wasn't that anyone asked me to do that. It was just me. That's who I am. I've always been a people pleaser right from a very young age. You know, my whole childhood was about pleasing my mum and dad and making them proud. And that flowed onto every single aspect of my life. I wanted my boss then to be proud and my children to be proud of me and my husband. And, you know, that that's what all that mattered to me. And so I was 36 years of age and I was burnt out, literally burnt out. I, I didn't have anything left in the tank. And it wasn't that I didn't love my job or I'd lost my passion. I, it was far from that. I loved everything about it. And I was super proud of what I'd been able to achieve. I just had nothing left. Mm -hmm. And so I came home one night and said to my husband, and these were literally my words, I'm done. And I'm a very all or nothing person. I'm very black and white. And um, so I went in to um, resign the next day. My husband's super supportive. And, you know, he said to me, nothing's worth your health. If, if, if you're done, you're done. And I went in to resign the next day. And lucky for me, I got talked out of that idea. Uh, and instead, I took three and a half, nearly four months off and I recharged. I pulled into the pits. I put that red Ferrari in for a well overdue service, pumped up the tyres and gave myself the best lesson in self-care ever. And four months later, I returned and I returned as uh, the CEO of Suzanne. And I spent six years there. And then I moved up to the um, CEO of Sports Girl for the next seven years. So I learned to drive that Ferrari very differently. So I had 13 years in a CEO role, but I did it with balance and I did it with boundaries. And, you know, I just, as I said, I wrote, I drove that Ferrari very differently because I had to. Absolutely. Do you think that that lesson enabled you to do the CEO role well and for such a long time? I absolutely do. I, I really do. Because I think if I had have just kept going, I would have probably burnt out even to a point where I couldn't get up again. Um, and, you know, maybe I wouldn't have gone down that path. But 
I had all of these strategies and boundaries in place that allowed me to be the best I could be and have this life in balance. Was that difficult for you in terms of implementing those boundaries? Because, you know, you said at the very start that you love to work Mm -hmm. and you're so passionate about it. So was it really hard for you to implement those boundaries? Mm -hmm. And I suppose understand that a lot of the expectation was what you were putting on your own shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. It was really hard. Um, but I also knew that if I didn't, I was was not going to hit my 50th birthday or 40th birthday and 50. I knew that I wouldn't be around for or, or not in a great place. So I it was really hard, but I knew that I had to do it. And, you know, even today, it's still hard. It's still hard for me to say no, because, um, you know, someone asked me uh, a few. In fact, it was um, Tony from Booktopia said, so, you know, have you changed the make and model of that car now? And I said to him, we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose the make and model. That's how we're born. We just, we do get to choose how we drive. I get up. I just need to drive it differently. And I still have that tendency to be a people pleaser. And I still have that tendency to say yes. And I still love to work. So I have to be really, really conscious of making sure that I stick to those boundaries. No matter who you are, how successful you are, what you've done, it's like implementing boundaries and creating new habits is not an easy thing to do, but it's so worth it. So if it feels hard, if it feels uncomfortable, that's a good thing. And it sort of needs to be that way until you you get better at it. 100%. When we feel uncomfortable, we're growing. So it has to feel a bit uncomfortable. And now for a quick break. If you are listening to this podcast, then you understand how important leadership is to your success. And that starts with you. How you lead yourself will impact the performance of your business, your team, and your career. That is why we developed the Role Model Effect program. This program is designed for those who want to sharpen their leadership tools and be a leader that people want to work with. It's seven weeks, a value-packed and laser-focused course spent on crafting your leadership for success. You will walk away with absolute clarity on what you need to do to be a successful leader. The results our participants are achieving speak for themselves. So, if you understand that leadership is the key to your success, contact Julie to find out more at juliehyde.com.au. So, maybe what are the signs of burnout? How do you identify it in others? How can you pick it up in teams? Especially in the hybrid world where, you know, people are not necessarily under your nose now. There's a lot of exhaustion and fatigue being experienced with people and teams and leaders aren't necessarily privy to see what the extent is. So what what are the signs that we should be looking for in people? Yeah, it is probably harder now in this new world we're living in, which is why it's so important for leaders to check in with their people, Um, you know, not just be on a Zoom call and think it's all okay, but really check in because burnout comes in many shapes and sizes. And, you know, some people think that burnout is when you just can't get out of bed. You know, I've got got chronic fatigue, I can't get up. And that can be the case, but there are so many warning signs and warning bells along the way. It can be, I'm just, you know, you're exhausted. It can be lack of energy. It can be this constant fatigue, or perhaps you might have sleep disorder, or you're irrational or highly emotional all the time. You know, it can even, it can have an effect on our performance as well. So it's really important that we don't think it's one size fits all. Um, you know, because when we're at that burnout stage or, or heading to burnout, 
it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. It affects our family, our friends. It affects our team. And because people don't get the best version of us, you know, when we're in that state, we don't give our best. So, you know, I talk about for me, burnout was a real gift. Mm. As I said, I don't think if I hit burnout, I would have been hitting my 40s and 50s. So it was this real gift because it allowed me or made me see a way to live my life differently. And, you know, I got myself a coach and, you know, you know the value of that. You do a lot of coaching yourself, you know, and I got a coach as well. And that was a real sort of game changer for me. And, you know, I learned how to set boundaries because I had none. And when I say I had none, I literally mean I had none. I was a complete utter workaholic and it was this badge that I wore with honour. You know, I I had to learn to say no. I had to learn put it, to put an office out of office time on my, you know, my, mentally for me. You know, and I really had to prioritise me and communicate my workload. You know, and probably the biggest thing for me, Julie, and one of the things that women find so hard is that I had to embrace this self-care because, again, I've never had one. I'm a natural people pleaser, as I said, so I would put everyone before me. And I I would think, and I know a lot of women today still think, that self-care was being selfish. Why would I do that? I need to put everyone else first because that's what I do, but it's actually not. It's so so important. If we don't have self-care, we're not going to be great to others. You know, I had to, as I said, I had to change this. I had to create this life imbalance. Again, I had no life imbalance. Mm. So, you know, I put this and I don't like the term work-life balance. I, I don't like that at all. I don't think we put two work into one little box and life into another and away we go. You know, I, I talk about it as life imbalance. And I talk about this in my book is I have an 80-20 rule. And, you know, 80% of my life needs to be in balance or thereabouts and 20% can be chaotic and, and fun and, and sort of, you know, a little bit random and because uh, that, that creates excitement and energy and new thinking and new ideas. And I love that as well. But I know when the scales start to tip that I need to add change or delete something because I, I can see that I'm going down that path again. So really important that we see the signs of burnout. And, you know, I really want women to to see these signs and to recognise them because I don't want them to get on that train to burnout. And if they are on that train to burnout, I want them to get off because it's just not a great place to be. No, definitely not. And I love that you say that we need to be a priority first. Everyone else is a priority. Everything is, is a priority, but we need to be the priority first and not have the guilt attached to it that so many women think, and like you say, self-care is not selfish. So, so I'd love to tap into this a little bit more in terms of what you're seeing and what our culture is at the moment, because there are a lot of stories similar to yours, you know, um, really high profile people and you know people in corporate organizations who have experienced burnout especially in the middle management trying to rise to the top do you think there's an expectation that people need to put in enormous hours and then have their nose to the grind continuously be ridiculously accessible like 24 7 to achieve the ceo status or you know whatever they're wanting to achieve or build a successful business, do you think that there is this unconscious expectation that that is what you have to do? It's a really awesome question. And and I would say for the leaders that are still living in that old era of leadership that I spoke about, absolutely, I would agree with that. You know, the ones that put profit first and people second, you know, they expect enormous hours, that 24-7 accessibility, that 
unreasonable expectation, that get blood out of a stone mentality. Mm. However, I think this new era of leadership and the one that I keep talking about, which values people and has people at the heart of everything that they do, you know, they're the leaders of the future. They're the leaders that are going to shine. You know, I have this real people first philosophy and I have for a very, very long time, uh, you know, and I, I talk about people with purpose and passion equals profit. It's the other way around for a lot of leaders. You know, they have profit first and people second. But I, I've never done that. I've always believed in the people and it's the people that drive success and it's the people that drive outcomes and it's the people that drive profit for your organisation. Mm. And I really believe, and again, the way I've lived my life, it's about creating environments where people feel connected, mm. where people feel that their work matters and where they feel like they can contribute to something bigger than just the seat they sit in. Mm. You know, when people feel valued and trusted and empowered, you know, they also feel cared for as human beings and they feel like they are human first and employee second. And when you do that, that's when people give you their blood, sweat and tears and that's when people do amazing things. And it boggles my mind that leaders can't get their head around this. I think it's the most simple equation in the world and the most successful one, but so many leaders can't get their heads around it. I 100% agree with you. How do you think when the leaders at the top don't seem to quite get it or want to change, how do we, how do we change this culture? that we do have, but it is really prevalent from what I see. Is it going to take the the groundswell sort of at that middle management level to role model what is possible through being different? I think you're right. I, I think that that middle management and this new this new era of leaders mm. we've got coming through are going to be the game changers. Mm. And we need to support that change, which is a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that you do as well. You know, And we need more women at the helm. And I'm not one to say we need more women than men, but we need some balance. We need more women at the helm. We need more women at the table because we recruit like-minded people, right? So if we've got a whole group of just men sitting at the table, they're going to recruit like-minded people that are similar to themselves. So we need to start to change that dynamic and we need women at the helm and women on boards and and women in politics and women heading up education, all of those great places because we need change. And women bring a different element to leadership. It's not that the the way men lead is bad. We just need a bit of both. We need some some, a bit more even balance there. So, yeah, I absolutely believe that, you know, this next generation uh, will be the, the game changers. Mm. It'd be a matter of them staying the course and believing in what they're doing, I think. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. So I think that's a really great segue to your book too because your book is called Leader by Design. <laughs> so what are you hoping that your readers are going to gain from it? Because it's, sort of, it's in a couple of parts, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I believe we can all become leaders by design, which is why I gave that the title of my book. It's a bit double-edged sword, really. So, you know, I, I, I believe we can all become leaders by design and that's what I did. And, you know, I've been in the design world for my whole life. I've been in retail for 30 years and so I love the whole fashion industry as well. But you're right, it is in sort of two parts. And, you know, the first part of my book is a part autobiography. And, you know, I share my life journey, as we spoke about, from leaving school at 16 to CEO and everything in between including, you know, the woman I am today and and how I became that woman and 
and my upbringing. And, you know, that I, I talk about my parents really had a huge influence on the woman and leader I am today. And I also share my story about burnout. And as we talked about simple tools and strategies on how not to get on that burnout train and if you are, how to get off it. So, and I really, you know, my goal is to really inspire women to step up and have a voice and live with purpose and and live with this real confidence and start to believe in themselves. You know, I want them to become the leaders that they want to be in both business and in life. And everything I talk about in my book is not just about being a CEO or a leader. It's about leading in every aspect of our lives. And, you know, so it's packed with lots of tips and advice and, you know, guidance for women of all generations. It doesn't matter whether you're climbing the corporate ladder or whether you're an entrepreneur or a volunteer or you might be in the family business. Regardless of your current role or situation, I want to inspire women to believe in the power within and start leading in their own life, start to take back this control. So that's kind of the first part. And then the second part is I really want to inspire leaders, and that's both men and women. And I want them to strive for that new era of leadership that I keep talking about, that one where we lead with kindness and trust and authenticity, and that one where we put people at the heart of everything. You know, we do. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day, Cole, what's your purpose now? You're not a CEO anymore. And, you know, my purpose is exactly the same. It, it, we don't get to just chop and change it. You know, it is, it is our unique ID. It's our unique DNA. It's who we are. You know, and as a CEO, my purpose was to engage and inspire and allow people to bring this, their best beautiful self to work every day. And this next chapter is exactly the same. My purpose is exactly the same. And I'm just doing it in different, you know, different platforms, whether it be book or podcasts or, you know, uh, speaking events. But my purpose is to get up every day and inspire and empower women and leaders to you know, lead with confidence in business and in life. I love it. I love it. And your book is awesome. I, you've, you're very engaging in how you write. And um, I love I, I love practical uh, things that you can take for and implement immediately. Yes. So lots of sticky notes and dog earring and... <laughs> Great, I love it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, so what is next for Colleen? What's on the radar? Well, I often think I wish I had a crystal ball because life's pretty exciting right now. You know, there's lots of great things happening. When I finished in my role as CEO uh, in March last year, I was going to take a year off. I wanted to do passion projects, write my book, do some charity work. I'm on a couple of boards, uh, you know, and do things that, you know, just, just really fuel my, fuel my soul. And, you know, COVID hit, so life changed. And, you know, I launched my own business, which kind of was really just sort of happened overnight. And uh, that was Mentor Me and Mentor Me for Women. So I run those programs um, and I absolutely love that. I do that in small groups. And, again, we both understand the value of great uh, people in our lives, coaches, mentors, role models. So it's a way that women can have access, you know, to um, to you know, sort of my my experience, and and I really help them across four weeks, um, and we cover a whole lot of different topics: values, purpose, leadership, confidence. So I'm I'm really loving that, and in fact, now I've started to um, been taking that into organisations. So I run that program, run it for leadership teams and um, women's organisations, and men on that as well, which is fantastic. So that's that's been quite a, a big part. Um, I'm also, um, you know, a keynote speaker, so I'm really waiting for the world to open back up again because I want to get out there. I want to share my message. As I said, I love people. So as much as we can all be on Zoom and connect, it's not like being at an event where you can 
really, really have that true human connection. So lots of exciting things happening there. And I'm on a couple of boards and, you know, I, I, I'm really busy, but busy in an awesome way. Yes. And that's important. The busy mm. in an awesome way. So it sounds like there's some amazing things happening for you in your space and you're loving it, which is the most important thing. So I, I really love chatting with you today, Colleen. And as you know, this podcast is called Making It Count. And I get I, I get an absolute sense of how you're making it count in your world. Was there anything that you would like to add or is there any like last pieces of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I just think it's really important that women start to believe in themselves. You know, they start to change that story and, you know, they start to build real confidence. And I do a lot of work with women on building real confidence. You know, the myths around confidence, what holds us back and how to build real confidence. And, and you know, really when we build real confidence, we're going to start living with purpose. We're going to be happy to share our voice. And, you know, as I said, I want more women at the helm and at the, at helm and at the table. You know, um, Julie, less than, 30, less than 20% of CEO roles in this country today are held by women. And so, you know, when we talk about what my purpose is and, and how I can make it count, that's my job. My job is to change that number. My job is to support women so that they feel like they can actually put their hand up for that promotion and, and you know, put their hand up for that pay rise and put their hand up to be heard. So, you know, that's really how I want to make it count. And I can do that one human being at a time. And that's if I, if I make a difference to one human being, then I'm doing my job. Yeah, I love that. And I'm right behind you because we need that needle to shift in the opposite, in the opposite direction for sure for the betterment of organizations but for the benefit of the world as a whole absolutely totally so thank you so much colin how can people get in contact with you how can they get your book yeah absolutely jump on my website which is www.colleencalendar.com.au or head to my favorite place which is booktopia or amazon actually either of those you can grab my book um, or just follow me on instagram which is also colleen underscore calendar i you know you can jump on there get my book there um, and just reach out and say hi, connect. Love to hear from you. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I've loved our chat. I could talk to you forever, I think. And um, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you to you because you're also doing amazing work. We were talking before the podcast. We've got a lot of similarities and our messaging is very similar and I love that because the more women that are talking about the same thing, the more men that are talking about the same thing, the bigger change that we can make. So thank you for doing all of your great work as well. Thank you and hear here to that. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you have gained some great ideas and feel inspired to get out there and make what you do count for your leadership, your business and your life. Please do leave a review for this podcast and please share it with your network. Send any feedback or suggestions for future guests by emailing me julie at juliehide.com.au. For now, let's get out there and make it count.